This is Brian Oaks, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Erskine, Minnesota. We are pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Sierra Doctor. We'll also hear reports from Don Wick and Whitney Pittman. We begin with Harvest Hotline, brought to you by the North Dakota Mill, Ag Country, uh, Farm Credit Services, and Amity Technology. Alton Grain Terminal Grain Department Manager Corey Tryon says farmers are pretty close to wrapping up this fall's harvest. We're probably down to the last 10%. You know, I'd say by the end of the week here, you know, weekend, we'll be pretty well wrapped up. They're getting some field work done, you know, obviously, on the stuff that's been done few soybean fields are still picking away at those. The moisture took till about a day or two ago to get the moisture down. But yeah, otherwise you could pretty well say we're done. Rail logistics though been a little bit slower than usual with this compressed harvest pace. You know, it's been uh, been a lot of cars sitting around. You know, values have been jumping up and down. Uh, yeah, there's two, three days we can't take rain until the next shuttle arrives. And it's a shuttle that uh, should have arrived. <laughs> they're, I would have to say they're probably about three to five days later than a typical fall. And that's Harvest Hotline brought to you by Amity Technology, Ag Country Farm Credit Services, and the North Dakota Mill. A major product introduction has been made for Pioneer Soybeans today. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Don Wick has this update from Kansas City. We're visiting with Pioneer Soybean Marketing Manager Liz Knutson regarding the introduction of Z-Series soybeans. We've been waiting for this introduction. Liz, uh, today's the day. You are exactly right. Today is the day. So while we've been really excited and proud of the performance we've seen out of Pioneer A-Series soybeans, today we move from A to Z and we launch Pioneer brand Z-Series soybeans. So what you know and love about A, we're going to bring even more. So that'll be more yield, more agronomics, and as well as more exclusive varieties that we've come to expect from Pioneer Beans. How does it differ from the A-Series? So you'll hear a lot more about this when we get into Commodity Classic. We're still wading our way through some of the yield data and agronomics, but as I mentioned, we're just stepping up performance across the board. So I'll use agronomics as an example. We're bringing even more peaking varieties forward in some maturity groups that we've not seen peaking varieties in before. And then that yield data, uh, we'll release it as we get into the first of the year, but really exciting stuff that soybean farmers should definitely be taking notice. One of the strengths, I think, is local breeding and the work that we've got done in, in our own backyard. Uh, how important is that? Is that being seen with disease here? Absolutely. Pioneer prides ourselves on the connection we have to our local communities that our farmers live and work in. Uh, if we didn't have our breeding stations based out in you know, the Fargo-Moorhead area, we wouldn't know what the problems North Dakota and South Dakota soybean farmers and Red River Valley soybean farmers faced. So we've actually been partnering with our breeders as we launch this new Z-Series. So at Commodity Classic, you'll see some of them live with us talking about how they thought about challenges farmers faced and how that influenced the work they did bringing Z-Series to market. So for 24, will it be a, a mix of uh, A-Series and Z-Series that'll be uh, in the ground? That's correct. So uh, North and South Dakota will have a nice drag of Z-Series, so I'd encourage all farmers to reach out to their Pioneer sales reps and see if they can get their hands on some. But we will see more of that commercial volume come in 2025. It's just a limited release in 24, so get it while you can, and then in 25, lots more opportunity to experience it on your farm. 
Liz Knutson with us from Pioneer as we come to you from Trade Talk at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Volga, South Dakota-based Hudek, is developing fermentation technology to aid digestibility and efficiency of soybean meal and other plant-based products. Vice President of Technology Jeremy Javers explains. Uh, one of the things that makes us uniquely different is the type of fermentation that we apply to transform these plant-based meals like soybean meal and DDG and canola meal um, into more value-added uh, products. And you know, our process and our products basically are, are adding value in, in three different ways. First is adding a prebiotic compound into the feed. Basically, the prebiotics help to feed all the good bacteria in the gut of the animals that are consuming our products. Um, we concentrate protein. Uh, so one of the things that we do in our process is we take, a, say, a 50% soybean meal and we concentrate that protein up to 75%. Um, so that's the, the second thing that we do is we get that protein concentration up so it can be applied to those animal feed uh, diets uh, um, in, in good quantities in the, in the total mixed ration. And Javer says the third way to add value to the ration is that Hodek uses a fungal fermentation process. Abbott Futures market analyst Preston Zacharias says traders are taking weather premium out of the soybean market. You know, I'm, I was a little surprised about how far the market went up on the hot and dry forecast because we knew that last week, and yet it still did that. And we, we also had this uh, rain event that is now beginning in South America in the forecast, and the market is over-exaggerating on the downside here, too. So um, it's a weather market, that's for sure, and it's uh, certainly bean-centric. Zacharias expects the cattle market to carve out a bottom. From here, I would expect higher prices in the cattle as opposed to uh, continuing the downtrend that we have been in basically since the beginning or middle of September. Yeah, that's, uh, that's always a big anchor that... Uh, People have tied around their their ankle before they uh, can put positions on, but but I do think that uh, you know that it's turkey season right now. But that page is being flipped, and we should be looking towards uh, better beef demand here coming up. Corn Belt Marketing Market Analyst Sam Hudson says a slightly wetter weather forecast for Brazil had the soybean market leading these grains lower. Of a better chance of rain that kind of snuck into the equation even yesterday afternoon on their model runs, and the fact that it's stuck in there. Um, into the day for parts of northern Brazil, I think, is just providing a little bit of a breather in an, in an environment where, keep in mind, there's really not much else to talk about. And so when we dropped here off the open this morning, there's just kind of a vacuum. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see if this becomes a buying opportunity in the short term. I don't think anyone can sit here and claim that, you know, even if these do, rains do, uh, you know, come to fruition, that it's a complete pattern flip. Um, but this is just an underscoring of, of how much time we've got and how quickly, uh, you know, that sentiment can change. So You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Red River Farm Network Farm Broadcaster Whitney Pittman is at NAFB's annual convention talking with EPA's Agricultural Advisor to the Administrator, Rob Snyder. Talk about today's announcement with uh, water quality, animal ag. Yeah, just this morning in the Federal Register, we announced the creation of an animal ag water quality subcommittee um, that's going to sit within EPA's broader farm and ranch committee. Um, the, the reason why we've done this, I'll just provide a little bit of back, back story here, is in August, the agency 
uh, denied two environmental petitions to overhaul our Clean Water Act permitting program for CAFOs and AFOs. The reason for that is we didn't feel that we had sufficient information to grant the petition and what the, the environmental groups were requesting. Um, part of the information gathering process to help inform any future policy making is to bring together this subcommittee that will include a diverse range of stakeholders. It can include producers, universities, other industry folks, environmental groups, community groups, um, to talk about ways in which we can improve water quality outcomes from animal agriculture broadly. Um, that will, uh, they will begin meeting in the spring of next year. Uh, between now and December 31st, we're hoping to get nominations from across the country, and the administrator will ultimately pick between 15 and 20 members to sit on that committee. And the outcome is to provide some policy advice to the agency about how we work um, with the animal ag sector going forward on these water quality uh, impacts. We know that I think everybody can agree that we want to improve water quality across the whole, the whole sector, and just the question is how can we best do that? What's the timeline on getting that uh, out, and, yeah. out and about? Well, timeline is that for basically the next 12 to 18 months, the subcommittee will, will meet uh, and, and essentially provide recommendations on best management practices, how has the industry changed over the last 10 or 15 years, both in terms of the actual CAFO facilities, but also um, you know land applications and, and manure management planning and whatnot. So that process will play out over basically a year and a half. Um, we haven't committed to any specific follow-up actions. It's not like there's, you know, you know, definitely going to be a rulemaking or not. Um, we're going to leave that to the subcommittee to provide recommendations. Anything else that you want to make sure we touch on and, and cover here before we let you go? I'll just close by saying that um, the Ag Advisor position at EPA over the last basically 25 years since my role was created, I've only been here two years, but the position has been here for 25 years. It's just been a really critical way for the ag sector to have two-way communication with the agency. And we're really proud of that outreach. We, we're out on the road almost every week. I took Administrator Regan to Wisconsin last week, just as an example, and had a round table with farmers. Um, we, we try to make sure that we're listening and that we're really understanding what the needs are across the ag sector. And I'm just really proud of that ongoing, uh, ongoing work. I'm Whitney Pittman reporting from Kansas City for the Red River Farm Network. U.S. Department of Commerce made a recent decision to significantly lower duties placed on phosphate fertilizers imported from Morocco. National Corn Growers Association Director of Public Policy for Trade and Biotechnology, Nancy Martinez, says the campaign against anti-tariffs is still going strong. Um, so I mentioned this administrative review decision. Um, Commerce is actually going to come out with another decision mid-December as part of this remand ordered by the court. Um, so we are continuing our efforts to make sure that Commerce knows um, the impact of farmers and that they should, you know, weigh in some additional factors from coming to that other duty rate. So we'll have another decision in December. And the tariffs have already been reduced or have reduced import rates nearly 18 percent. Yeah, I mean, obviously the best case scenario would be um, zero percent. Um, but I think the reduction that Commerce just came out with from that 19.97 all the way down to 2.12% is significant and a great move in the right direction. You know, NCGA has been one of the top advocates and leaders about this issue, um, and we will continue our efforts here. Um, you know, we're doing everything possible to make sure that there's no, you know, unrealistic increases for farmers when they have so much else to worry about. So um, we're continuing to have an eye on the fertilizer issue, um, and we are going to be vocal about it. 
USDA Deputy Secretary Sochil Tori Small announced an investment of $27.9 million across 45 organizations to benefit beginning farmers and ranchers. The investment is part of the beginner, Beginning Farmer and Rancher Development Program. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good afternoon. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. U.S. Senators John Hoven of North Dakota, uh, Ben Ray Luan of New Mexico have introduced the Department of Energy and the United States Department of Agriculture Interagency Research Act that would require collaboration on key ag research needs. Hoven says the legislation leverages the Department of Energy's national lab system to help USDA meet challenges in the ag sector. The bill overwhelmingly passed out of the House Science and Ag Committees with strong bipartisan support. Environmental Initiative and Partners recently published a study on the return of investment of conservation practices. Egg-centric Executive Director Keith Olander says the study is based on 10 Minnesota farms. What you think of the headwaters, we're thinking primarily of Stearns County area seems to be where it derives out of. Um, there, what we've done is we did a pilot of three farms previously and now this past year uh, with the 23 report, or the 22 report, excuse me, we have 10 farms now, and a lot of them carry dairy cattle on their farm. And so what we've done now is begin to look at, as they engage in environmental practices, we measure soil loss and different impacts on the environment as it relates to the economics. Olander says the study is unique in its conservation studies. And I get kind of excited about something like this because this is the first time that I'm seeing the Farm Business Management Economics directly compared to greenhouse gas, carbon loss, or soil erosion, um, and then begin to see that score. And we have a partner in Houston Engineering that helps us with the scores on those things like uh, greenhouse gas and carbon loss. And of course, farm business management is our strength in the economics and understanding the break-evens. Uh, and then of course, having a benchmark of farms to compare to on the economic side. Checking markets before we leave you. Uh, December wheat in Minneapolis down eight and a half cents. Chicago December wheat's down seven and a half. Kansas City is down eight and a half on the December contract. December corn three and a half cents higher, four seventy four and a half. March corn's up four and a half. January soybeans are down twenty two cents at thirteen sixty three. March beans down twenty one. This is the Red River Farm Network. <laughs>